Pastor Moore. Pastor Moore. Let's give God love this one. What a sweet presence of the Lord that we're feeling here today. Hallelujah, because with Jesus, miracles are still happening. As we walk with Him and talk with Him and obey His word and humble ourselves unto Him. It's trying times, but I'm telling you, it's a time for the church to shine like she's never shown before. In our time, in our generation, what a time, amen, for you and I as we just give ourselves unto the Lord and give ourselves unto His word and to His spirit. And let God be God. He can't be anything else anyway. He's going to be God and a sovereign God. And you know what? He's got this. I'm glad I'm in, in the palm of his hand. Hallelujah. Where no man can pluck me out. And I don't believe the devil can pluck me out. If I'll just humble myself and stay obedient. Amen. He's going to see us through. God bless you. You may be seated. Appreciate all that's in the house of the Lord this morning. It's able to be here. I know it's a little different. Next Sunday, we're going to start back to normal services. We're not, we're not expecting no hiccups. We're not expecting, amen, things to happen in this coming week. Amen, to change that. So we're just believing and asking God to be with us that we can get back to some things more normal. God bless. It's good to see each one of you. In the house of the Lord with us today to just worship him. That's why we have gathered here. That's why we've joined here. And uh, we have a promise we're two or three gather in his name. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad to know the name this morning. Have a revelation of the name. Hallelujah. And so we can call on this name with confidence and faith. And knowing that he'll hear us and answer us and walk with us. Got a good lesson? I'm going to follow along in the lesson today. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, this is a trying time. This is a time, if you and I are not careful, we can become rebellious. Become a little stiff-necked, a little hard-headed. <laughs> That's how one writer put it. Praise God. So, you know, it's not a time to come, you know, being hard-headed can work to our advantage. As long as it's for God and the kingdom of God and the service of the Lord. But it cannot be against him and against his will. And sometimes his will will be against our will. This old man, a man, that's the reason it's so important that he's crucified only. It's easier to kill him on a daily basis than just every once in a while. It's a lot easier to keep those fires that don't need to burn in our lives. To keep them, amen, put out. It's a lot easier to take a match. And you can pretty well, it may burn just a little, but you can take a match and put it out with your fingers. But if you let that match burn long enough and ignite it to other things, it can create a fire to a place and to a point that even it'll take planes and dozers and multitudes of men and a multitude of gallons of water. And even after that, amen, a lot is destroyed and things that can't be put back because somebody didn't address it in the early points of your life. And so as we look at this lesson, and as it talks about Zedekiah. Did you know this is the last king that Judah had? Huh. 
you know there was only about nine and all of them didn't do right but they done partially right out of the 19 kings of Judah <clears throat> did you know that not any of the kings of Israel done right and we're going to notice some key key statements that are made in this lesson and in the scripture today that can really help us and we're going to approach it, you and I, because we gathered here to love and worship him. We gathered here as a servant of God. We gathered here as Holy Ghost filled people. So we're on the, the preventing side of this. Amen. For we don't want to become stiff-necked. And we don't want to become rebellious. And we don't want to get caught up in some attitudes and spirits that's running a rapid even in this nation today. And it didn't just happen overnight. But there are some things that wasn't addressed and some things that wasn't dealt with. And there are some actions that was taken toward the church and toward men of God. And when you do that, those actions might as well have been against God. Because God looks at them in the same way. And so there's a lot in this lesson today that we can glean from and learn from as we dig into the scriptures and watch the process and what unfolds. What a beautiful lesson last week was with Josiah. What a beautiful uh, uh, that we, we have learned from him and that period of time. And, and even after Josiah's great leadership, and what he had purposed in his heart and mind and rebuilt and reformed and revived and set back up. Things he tore down from chariots and horses and idols and altars and forms and methods of worshiping idols that was destroyed and grounded up and, and put in the rivers and put back to dust and spread out on graves and things of these that took place. But it still amazes me as we go into this lesson, the latter part of Josiah's life. Josiah, that you go back to the scriptures, you'll see that even after, now you'll just have to take this, you know, <laughs> go back and read the scriptures. And when the king of Egypt came, think of when he came, he sent ambassadors to Josiah and told him, said, hey, I've been sent of God. About God's business coming against these kings of Assyria coming against. And uh, now some believe that could have been from God, but. There's a possibility that, but the writer put the capital G. So take it, take it for what it's worth. But, but Josiah disguised himself. He got caught up in that battle. And the archer was able to find him. And it took his life. And this, then this is where the lessons fiction start after a couple of kings. It's, his son was set up and. Amen, but just for a very short period of time, about three months, which was not the eldest son. Okay, you're going to notice that the king of, of Egypt, man, comes in and he takes him, going to take him back to Egypt with him. He sets up his brother, which happens to be older and the one that should have probably been set up as king over Judah and, and set him up in the city of Jerusalem. So we're going to watch some things unfold even as it comes to Zedekiah. Now, let's learn some things about Zedekiah. 
as, as we watch some things happen. I'm going to tell you something. We're living in a very dangerous hour, especially speaking spiritually. We can be protected. We can be guided and not allow the spirits of this world to affect us. But the only way that's going to happen is going right back to last week's lesson of how powerful obedience is. We're not exempt from being affected by the spirits that's bombarding this world. We're prompted and inclined as earthen vessels. You remember something, regardless of how much Holy Ghost you've got and how much you're walking in the goodness and the grace of God and how anointed and how powerful you might be used. You remember something. It's an earthen vessel. And flesh is hostile against God. And as long as there's breath in it and there's life in it, you've got to, you've got to keep it under subjection. You've got to keep it under submission. You're going to learn, we're going to learn some things even from this lesson. God. God would allow things to come our way. God's going to try our hearts and see what's in there. See what, what, what lies in the heart. Who can know it? Jeremiah talks about this. Who can know his heart? Wicked, above all things. Who can know it? The Bible's taught us several times where God says, trying hearts see what's there see what lies within him that's reason the statement that Job makes that the Lord knows the direction I'm going to take the order of my footsteps in this trying time I'm not going to let rebellion I'm not going to let you know uh, the spirit that I don't deserve this the attitude uh, of God why do you let this because that leads into other things. And so that's what we have to watch. The righteous judge. How many wants to face a righteous judge? Well, this is what we want to face. We want to face a merciful judge. Righteous basically means just. Something else I glean from this lesson. You can be assured of one thing. Everything's going to work out. You don't have to worry about anybody getting by with anything. God is going to work it all out. God's going to take care of it. Focus thought. God loves us enough to what? To judge our rebellion. Anybody rebellious? Anybody not rebellious? I don't blame you. I'd be a little hesitant to respond to that to do. It just depends on the situation, who it's involving. <laughs> we just, you know, we've got a little checklist here, don't we? Praise God. So, focus verses in 2 Chronicles 36, 15 to 16. And the Lord God, the Father sent to them by his messengers, rising up brethren, raising up brethren, and sending because he had compassion on his people. I mean, he's thankful for the compassion of the Lord. Amen. Thank God for his compassion. And if I receive his compassion, I need to show it. 
greatest way to show that you really appreciate the compassion is God by our compassion that we show others. And when we're hesitant to show others compassion, we may have to step back and question We know by the scriptures all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us exempt. We've all had to have the mercy and grace of God. We've all had to have the compassion of God. And we're going to see the compassion of God because it's God's heartbeat and will and desire for us to be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the reason he went to that cross. So he could atone. So he could pay a ransom that nobody else could pay. Because he was in the business of saving humanity. No doubt for the 40,000 years prior to coming into the cross. God could have easily just said, I'm done. I have dealt with man's rebellionness, stiff-neckedness, hard-heartedness, unwillingness. Time after time after time. We see this through the chosen people called the Jews, called the Israelites. All the Hebrews that he called out. You're going to notice something at the ending of all the dispensations of time. God will always have a, a, a little area of hope. Of a remnant. Of some that's going to come out. Because God's in the saving business. That's the reason the writer said, if God's for us, who can be against us? That's a reason that things, amen, that happen in life, both good and bad, and regardless of where they come from, Paul said, I'm persuaded that none of these things can separate me from the love of God. Because he was persuaded as the chiefest of sinners, if he can save me, he can save anybody. I'm glad to be serving a God like that today. I'm glad to be facing a God like that today. Because he knows, he sees. He knows the very intent of the heart. He knows. So as we watch this really begin to unfold. And all of his dwelling places. And they mocked the, thy messengers of God. And despised his word. Let's, let's catch some key, key statements in these focus verses. And I'm going to go back to them. We're going to address them. Despised, they rejected it. They, they, or are we living in a time that's despised the word of God? They don't want it around. They don't want it preached. They don't want it. They don't want you to have it at your schools. They don't want it in public places. Huh. Misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no. Remedy. Well, that's that's a that's a sad place. The New Testament calls it reprobate minds, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. That's what the New Testament calls it. There's no more remedy. Nothing else can be done for that particular soul, even God Almighty, Jesus Christ Himself, cannot do anything to redeem that soul. 
He crossed the line. Reached a point and a place where there is no limit. Now in this particular setting of the scriptures. It's actually talking about going into a captivity. A bondmanship. For 70 years. But when you and I talk about it in the New Testament. And we cross that line or reach that point where it was called the grave. Where there's no prayer. There's no praise. There's no repentance. And the Old Testament writer in Proverbs put it this way. Ever how the tree falleth. That's the way it's going to lie. And that's how it's going to give judgment. And I know we got some that believe in purgatory. That if you give enough money that they got some folks that can pray them out. They're calling themselves greater than Jesus Christ. That's a false doctrine. It's man's doctrine. It's a way to soothe the conscience. And a way to make money. Which happens to be the God. Of most people. When you get down to it. Well I feel something here. It's not going to be a shouting time. But I'm telling you what. Has there ever been a time that we need to dig down? Anchor down? Huh. What are they already telling us? Got some things coming this next week possibly. Somebody does. Unless God just happens to go. They all go back that way. And he could. I've been telling them at the hardware store. You better be praying. I don't care who they are. I don't care what color they are. I tell them you better be praying. Let me call on God to have mercy. This ain't a good time to have a hurricane. Anytime, not really a good time, but right now, sure not a good time. When you ain't got materials to build and rebuild, and you ain't got materials to put something on top of houses, amen, to get your protections against the elements, it's not a good time. So you know what? Amen. We can cry out for the mercy of God. Amen. The grace of God. They can step in with angels, and I mean turn it around, send it in a different direction. And amen. And you know what? It may be who cries the biggest wolf. <laughs> who cries out for the most mercy and compassion. It humbles himself and says, you know what? I believe God can help us. I believe God will show us mercy. And I believe God can keep it off our coastlines. Well, I'm not praying on nobody else. That's God's business. But I'm going to do what I'm taught to do. Amen. That's humble myself and pray God have mercy. And I'm in the hardware business. I don't own it, but I'm in it. I'm still praying for mercy. <laughs> I'm still praying for grace. I don't want another You want one? Move to Russia. And I pray God send them two a week. <laughs> they need it. <laughs> Bro, that communism right on out of here. And the spirit that's behind it. And the evil and the rebellion that's behind it. That's destroying the world. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for mercy and grace and compassion. That's in the business of saving. Whosoever's got a ear to give and a heart to receive, I'm going to save you. I got a God that's going to save me. I got a God that's going to see me through. I know a name that's above every name. In heaven and in earth, I'm glad to know the name of Jesus. Well, that's the reason we look at things, we handle things, we respond to things different than the world. It's not because of our talents or skills or ability, but because of Jesus Christ 
and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're going to begin to look into this lesson and, and look at some things of even after the revival, the reform, and everything that Josiah brought, it did not change the judgment of God. It only gave them a winter period of time. We see that with Hezekiah, actually. Amen. He was put off because he humbled himself. We, we, we can see, believe it or not, the power of humbling. If uh, I'm going to say this, especially in America, Hollywood has taught right the opposite. Hollywood has been in the business for, I don't know how many years, but 50 plus probably. Maybe longer than that. Who knows? Lord knows. <laughs> but they've been in the business for a long time to, to no fear. You know, if you want to live it, live it. You don't humble yourself to nobody. You get it. You stand up. In fact, Hollywood has glorified rebellionists. The more the rebel you are, the greater hero you are. Even America didn't realize the spirits that was behind all that. And what was with once, when, when what's this? You know, those are little infants. When they get, you know, six months or whatever, somewhere and you start feeding them something. You don't go over and get a teaspoon or a tablespoon to feed them. You go over and they got little spoons, for, you know, the right size for them. And so, you know what? The devil, you know, watch this. The word of God is what? Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little and there. You learn. And it all starts coming together. And so even the devil realized, I just slowly feed this to them. If I just mix it in with a little of this and mix it in with a little of that. And, huh. Anybody ever had to take some medicine that really tastes bad so you started to put it in something to help? You know, cover it up. Make it go down a little better and make it a little. Huh. So that's, that's what the devil done. And the whole time, and, it, and we're watching it now. We, get, we, we, we got to be a part of the generation that's watching it unfold in our streets, unfold in our courthouses, and unfold in, in our schools. Because somebody just didn't get it their way and a spirit of rebellion got a hold of them. So as we watch this here, begin tonight, I've got a lot, but we got one service. And we got till we get through <clears throat> And, and don't take that wrong, but I'm just telling you. But anyway, go back to 2 Kings 23, 26 and 27. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of their provocation, and Manasseh had provoked him withal. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel. I will cast off this city, Jerusalem. Catch this. I'll cast off this city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. I've chosen this city, but because of their disobedience, because of their stiff-necked and hard-heartedness and unwilling to cure the word of God, not only to cure it, 
but to obey it. My, the city that I have chosen, I'm going to allow it to be broken up. I'm going to allow it to be torn down. I'm going to allow judgment to come its way. I, I had a, a guy, and I won't mention names, but uh, coming to hardware store in just the last few days, and, and this corona business came up, and, and some statements made about it, and he, he got pretty upset pretty quick there about, God didn't send this. I said, God knows about it. Didn't catch God beside, and I said, God allowed it. Oh, you don't believe in sovereign God. But to most people, all they think of God is love, compassion, and mercy. No judgment. See, that's, that's what's wrong with us today. See, that's the reason they want us to, to, to and I, they call me a hate whatever. But when this preach against certain lifestyles, and those lifestyles will send you to hell, I got a mandate by the Word of God to preach against it. <laughs> and you know what? Those are not my words. I told somebody else this this week. I'm going to preach what's in the book. The Bible, Paul's writings unto the pastor. Study to show yourself approved unto who? Not to man, but approved unto God. Doing what? Rightly dividing, not the Bible, but the word of truth. Amen. There's a lot of people, amen, that's talked about the Bible, teaches and preaches the Bible, but they don't preach truth. Hallelujah. You've got to have truth. Truth is what sets you free, and truth is what makes you free, and truth is what gets you out of judgment. Without walking in truth, why do you think God's constantly trying to govern and keep us in truth? That's what this is all about. That's the reason we come to the house of God Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights, and any other time that we can gather. Why? We're trying to keep these mid-course adjustments because we want to go to heaven. And we know we're in a vessel, amen, that can mess us up if we're not careful. So, you see here, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be in there. He's talking about the temple. 2 Kings 21, back up a couple more. The Lord spake by his servants and prophets, saying, Because of Manasseh, the king of Judah, and done these abominable things, and have done wickedly above all of the Amorites did, and have Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I bring such an evil upon Jerusalem and Judah. What is the point I'm trying to make here? If God's going to bring destruction and judgment upon the city of Jerusalem, the, the nation called Judah, and cause his own temple to be torn down, and then why in the world would anybody think today that God's not going to judge in the end time and this thing is all said and done? I'll take you to Sodom and Gomorrah. My understanding, they really can't find these two cities. It was so uh, destroyed, so burned up, so annihilated. Some believe that these cities, it's actually the Dead Sea. Watch this. You do a study on the Dead Sea, from what I understand from the worldview anyway. This is the reason Russia is wanting to come in. Because the Dead Sea has three uh, minerals that's in the bottom of the, by the tons. Amen. That, that's becoming of a great need of today. And so they're wanting it. They're wanting it. So God knows what he was doing way, way, way back. I mean, he knew the ending from the beginning. So he puts all this in action and brings us about. So this is the reason you and I, we don't want to rebel against God. We may not understand it sometimes, but God, I'm not going to rebel against you. I don't have to understand to walk with you. Sometimes the real faith and real walking in faith is when you don't understand. When you can't put your finger on it. When you can't see it with your eyes. But I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other, God. And when I can't do that, I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to stand. 
I'm going to stand for what I know is right. I'm not going to start backing up, that's for sure. That's, that's what's happening. That's where we're at. Too many of them backing up now. Saying, oh, that's not essential. It's, oh, Lord. If it was essential yesterday in God's book, it's essential today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the word of God's unchangeable. And so when we begin to see this, all begin to unfold and take place. And I'm going to go by some of this. So in the first verse that we even deal with Zedekiah himself. Now, let me say this. Zedekiah is a uncle. Now, if you read the scripture there, it's going to call him a brother. But if you do a little study on it and go back to, I think it was 2 Kings 24, somewhere in that place. Uh, uh, but anyway, he, Zedekiah actually becomes, if you know the first son that was set up, the king of Egypt comes in. He takes him in three months. He takes him out, takes him to Egypt. He sets up his brother. Now, his pr- brother becomes for 11 years. He's nothing but a puppet on the string, amen, for, for Egypt. And, but watch this. God said that Nebuchadnezzar was the one that was going to come in and take them. And so in that 11th year reign is when Nebuchadnezzar begins to come in and takes a reign and begins to take him and use him, amen, to fulfill what he died. He takes the temple and he takes the things out of it. And then it makes its way on down. And finally, it gets the, to this point in place, amen, where, where Zedekiah is called upon. And what the telling us is that whenever it mentioned brother there in that particular scripture that means blood related most of the time blood related to they would call themselves brothers okay so you take that whatever you want if you do a study on it you'll see that uh, that's right he's actually an uncle so he's not the son a man that followed the sons that you've been talking about or it's up to this point but he's actually going to be an uncle that was positioned that was placed into this place uh, that rebellionness and stiff neckness and things of this nature notice when certain kings king of Egypt and, and Nebuchadnezzar when they took over leadership they began to put people and I believe some of them it was carried into captivity especially those that they could use such as Daniel and those that was very favored and very talented and very gifted. They recognized these and they wanted to use them for their own nation to worship their own gods and fulfill and better themselves. Hey, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. That's the reason you see so many uh, musicians and, and singers and, and entertainers out there in the world has Pentecostal foundations and Pentecostal uh, backgrounds. Amen. Because they let the enemy slip in. Amen. And they got to seeing other things and whatever it might have been from fame to glory to money or things of that nature. But you know what really had to get a hold of them? It was a spirit of rebellionness and stiff-neckedness. And saying, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to take the talent that I've been gifted with and, and things of that nature. And I'm going to use it for the world and use it for myself. So that's the reason you see a lot of that happening. Because of this spirit that I'm talking about today. Slipped into these vessels. And they purpose in their minds. And watch this. Things begin to fall in patterns. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Amen. Because when that begins to slip in, I'm going to tell you, that's a very dangerous place to get writer talked about it because when the spirit of rebellion gets a hold of us stiff neck gets a hold of us we'll actually begin to believe the lie that's the reason so many people contrary to what this says let me let me say this anybody that read the book of acts It's pretty, pretty plain. The foundation. Pretty plain about repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking tongues, if you read the book of Acts. But if you step over and go into the letters that's already experienced that, which these letters were not written, amen, for that purpose. They was written, amen, to keep us in a raptured condition and start out. Hmm. But they didn't have an ear to hear. 
They don't have a sincere heart. Hey, this is a lot more important than what we may realize sometime. Because before this thing's over with, there's going to be people doing miracles and wonders and signs, but they're not going to be of God. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they walk in? They got all kind of whatever. And they dressed whatever. But all of a sudden, they seem to have some powers and gifts and abilities. That's what's going to happen in the end time. The Antichrist is going to deceive them by the million. Going to go flocking to him. Performing miracles and wonders and signs. We got to know him. We watched some of this. I don't know. Did you read the culture part? That's a little hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, Honestly. I mean, he talks about this lady just sitting there. She didn't believe in spanking. She didn't believe in nagging. So she just let her little baby, amen, pick up a rod. And she's at a factory. And she just takes this rod, finally opens up a panel, drops it in her, and gets electrocuted, burn up, and disfigures her hand and all that. If you didn't read it, you can go back and read it. And, and when the lawman begins to ask her why, you know, would you just there and watch it? You just sit and watch it? Yeah, I just sit and watch it. I don't believe in this spanking and nagging stuff. It's just like watching them walk out in the middle of the highway or Walk over to two or three rattlesnakes over with their heads stick up and say, Hey, baby, come in. I'm not going to scream. I'm not gonna, hey, I said, Come here. She said, no, you know, just let them. Hmm. We need to correct. What's this? We need to be corrected. And we better fall in love with it. God, correct me. Chastise me. Help me, God, with a. With a Good heart, a good spirit. Because, watch this. You and I have got to keep a teachable heart if we're going to make it. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter if you had the Holy Ghost since you've been sucking the bottle. And you're 150 years old. You're still going to have to have. You wouldn't have made it that far if you didn't have a teachable heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway. All right. So let's, let's get into this. He did that which was evil, evil what? In the eyes of the Lord, and his heart was hardened. He done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Second Chronicles, amen, 12th verse, as we begin to pick up there. <clears throat> I've really bypassed some things probably I should have dressed, uh, but, but we're going we're gonna to move on to, from that because uh, I'm going to run out of time here if I don't. And I may come back to some of that anyway. But, but understand something. It, it's very important that we don't, uh, you know, you would think that people that have saw the hand of God, experienced the hand of God, watched it in their own dads, mothers, families, that they would, would respond to things different. Okay? But that's, that's not true. That doesn't exempt them. I'm, well, I'm trying to get something across to us. We're not exempt from the spirit of rebellion. We're not exempt from the spirit of being rebellious. Okay? Something you and I have to work at. and Stay on top of. Why do you say that? When you go and watch Beelzebub, you're going to see here that whenever the handwriting on the wall and Daniel gives him the interpretation and he brings it to his attention, he reminds him about his dad. He reminds how his dad allowed 
pride to rise up in him and rebellious. Now watch this. If you read some of these scriptures, boy, I noticed something I'd never noticed before. You know what pride does? It hardens the mind. And that's just how the Bible put it. It hardens the mind. Where's the battle at? It's in the mind. So if it starts to become hardened, or could I say calloused, the right of the lesson likened rebellion unto what? Damaged nerves. Once they're damaged, you know, they don't, they can't feel. How, how would you like to be in a body that could feel no pain? That has happened. And believe it or not, most of the time these people don't live very long. Because they cannot feel pain. So they can cut themselves, step on things, things of this nature, and don't even know it. Until all of a sudden they look down and realize blood's everywhere. An infection set in. But they don't feel no pain. So, so. Boy, this ties in a lot of this. So we're going to notice here that when you drop down and you begin to watch some of this unfold. So even in the New Testament, James 4 and 10 puts it this way. Humble yourselves, what, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall, what, lift you up. You humbled yourself in his sight. James again, back up a couple of verses. He giveth more grace, wherefore to he saith, What? God resisted the proud, but does what? But giveth grace unto the humble. There are times that you and I, when it comes to God, comes to the word of God and serving God, we need to humble ourselves. The writer Peter comes along in 1 Peter 5 and 6, and he puts it this way Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. Humble ourselves, let God work it out. Let it be for his glory and fulfilling of his purpose. So, time won't allow me, but I'm telling you, I'm open cans of worms here in direction. If you're, you're really listening to me, amen, because even the spirit of rebellion won't come in with flags flowing and lights on and all this. It will not. It'll just come in little things. And some of those things can be in our own minds and heart and spirit that, hey, I'm just trying to do God's will. But you and I have to humble ourselves unto the mighty hand of God. And in due time, let him exalt us. Because it's not about us anyway. It's about him. We are witnesses of him, not of ourselves. That's the reason this church doesn't belong to nobody but to Jesus Christ and to God. That's the reason it suits me fine to take my name off of that sign and leave nobody but Jesus' name on that sign. Because that's the name that's important. That's the one. So as we humble ourselves into in the 13th verse, uh, uh, let, let me say this. If you didn't read your lesson, uh, the hardening of the heart is a frightening thing. It is like the digging of nerves of ending. I mentioned that. But watch this. People who begin to go down that path actually convince themselves to believe their own lies. You, you, begin, to, you begin to justify it. You begin to okay it. And, and if you're not careful, you know why we've got so many denominations and so many whatever? <laughs> because men 
I don't believe that. I don't believe that's necessary or I believe it is. So you got so many different beliefs. And, and so there's going to be some, do you know what? They're going to congregate. They're going to join up. They're going to practice some things such as baptism. Such as the doctrine of what it takes to be saved. And there are some very key doctrines that's going to separate the true church from everybody else. Because we believe that some of those doctrines are, are essential and are still essential today, regardless, even among our own, they don't have the power to change the book. And if God was willing to destroy Judah, the city of Jerusalem, and that earthly temple, even the one that Solomon built, we don't need to kid ourselves today. As Holy Ghost filled people, if we start getting a stiff neck and a hard heart and a hard mind and we start turning from what we know was the Bible and the Word of God at one time, but we've allowed some things to slip in and sometimes it comes from nothing but hurt, not handled right. Not, not, that can be from your pastor. That can be from a brother and sister. I'm not talking about hurt outside the church. I'm talking about hurt from inside the church that could start the beginning, a man of rebellious and stiff-neckedness and just being hurt. Most rebellious and stiff-necked is because you got hurt by words or actions are overlooked. And so the devil uses it as an opportunity, amen, to start injecting things. And setting up a scheme and putting you on a pathway. He's after one thing and that's to destroy you. And God's after one thing and that's to save us. Thirteenth verse of that chapter picks up and says. And he also rebelled against what? Nebuchadnezzar. Why is that put in there? If you go on to the writings of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, especially Ezekiel. First of all, Zedekiah, when he took kingship, he had to also take on a covenant and an oath. Now watch this. The man of God, Jeremiah, and, and, and if time allow me, we're going to go into that. Because God did not fail to warn them time and time again. Decades warned them, warned them. In the early stages of Josiah even, he warned them. Now, time allow me, the 25th chapter of Jeremiah. If I don't get to go there, go there, look at it. You can go to about the 4th chapter of Jeremiah. You're going to read, amen, another place where, where how God used Jeremiah and other prophets and sent them trying to help them, trying to keep this from happening, trying to keep, keep that from taking place. So you're going to see all of this happening. And so God's still working today. That's a reason you have a man of God in your life. That's the reason we have a five-fold ministry. That's the reason I still believe in the evangelists. I still believe in prophets. I still believe in all of that. You know what? That's God's business. That's what perfects the saint. Hallelujah. And guess what? I was a saint before I was a preacher. And I still got to be perfected. And I still got to be, you know, built up. And I got to still be led and spoken to and, 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 and sometimes chastised. And so God kept us that we're willing to receive that into our hearts, our minds, and spirit. I don't have a hard heart or a mind or an attitude or a spirit. Hey, man, you know, I'm just going to override it. No, it, we can't. you cannot override the Word of God. You're not going to outmaneuver the Word of God. You're not going to outlive the Word of God. None of those things. The Word of God forever settled in the heavens. So what you and I are going to do, we're going to give an account for the word of God that's the reason we're going to be without excuse 
That's the reason America is going to be without excuse. She's got Bibles running out her ears. And she's got access to them. All she's got to do is have a hunger and a desire to read it and study it. And dig into it. The word. Amen. That's like a treasure. And when we dig it out. And revelation and insight. And you know what? It's like the bread of life. Hallelujah. The word of God is like the bread. Man don't live by word by bread alone. But by what? With the word of God. That's how man lives. That's how man overcomes. That's how man, man can keep a good mind a good spirit, a good heart, in trying times and troubled times. That's how man, amen, can keep his spirit and his mind and heart becoming rebellious in an hour and a time that we're living in. I'm telling you, folks, hallelujah, it's bombarding our nation right now, the spirit of rebellion. I want to rebel against all officials, all government. I want to throw it all out the window. Amen, let's just do our own thing without any judgment. Okay, and the writer talks about this, and I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. How many picked up this week? I believe it was this week. Heard it on the radio. Uh, I can't remember all the names and everything about that. But anyway, I think it was like the second guy in the, the Democratic Party up here. They, they ever so often, they still do the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. And he on purpose left out unto God. Out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, that ain't no big. Oh, it is too. You're right. You know how that came along? Anybody hear that? You know how that came along? Eisenhower. There was a preacher preached on it. Preached on the Pledge of Allegiance. Eisenhower, as the president, 50, I think 54, somewhere in that ballpark. Pricked him because the preacher had preached about the pledge. He said, hey, this is a pledge to be for anybody. He said, but America believes in a higher power. America believes in a deity that's above all. And when that preacher preached it, that's whenever Eisenhower, as a president, had put into the Pledge of Allegiance unto God. I'm glad it's there. You know, they tried here a few years ago, try to take in God we trust off the money. Remember that little deal? So it's the same spirit that's, that's now watch, in the writer talks about it. You and I have got to understand that, that, that when, when, when the spirit of rebellion Gets a hold of us. It's not, it's not satisfied for just one little thing in one little area. In fact, if we don't deal with it, it, it wants to take control. It wants to rule. It wants to reign. And so what happens when these kind of things happen? And so the 13th verse tells us, and so we also rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. That we know that Jeremiah done told them, said, hey, God said the best thing you could do is humble yourself. You're going to Babylon. And you're going to go there for 70 years. And so the best thing to do is humble yourself, yield yourself, go over there, plant gardens, build houses. Be content that you're going to be there seven years, 70 years. And be glad, amen, that you're going to leave there after 70 years. But he rebelled against that. Against Nebuchadnezzar. So we begin to see how the rebellions of Zedekiah began to take a hold of him. He had made himself swear by God, and he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Now, so we see, amen, how that the hand of the Lord has moved here. So you can go to the 14th verse, and I've got to hurry here a little bit. Moreover, all the chiefs, now what happened? His rebellions didn't stop just with him. It affected others. We're living in a world today, and thank God you're here, and thank God you bring your children. 
But we're living in a, even in a community that there's a lot of moms and dads out there that didn't bother one bit to bring their children to the house of God. Of any form. Of any fashion. And then we wonder why they're a bunch of heathens. Well, I'm going to... No, I better not say it. <laughs> Praise God. I will tell you. If you don't stay on top of them, and if you don't... You, you know what? How many of you had to... How, how many had to instruct your child to lie? <laughs> they, just, they just naturally... You know, just come. It's that old, what they call fallen nature. But you've got to instruct them. And sometimes that instruction causes pain. It's called a switch. Huh. Hey, there's a lot of Bible in this. A lot more than what people want to admit. God used... You're going to watch it in the 17th verse of this particular chapter. God used a big old switch called the Chaldeans. He didn't let the king of Egypt. You know why he didn't let the king of Egypt? Because the king of Egypt wasn't hard enough. He wasn't calloused enough. He wasn't mean enough to accomplish the judgment that he wanted brought to Jerusalem. Because when they was going to come in there, they was going to show no compassion, no mercy. They was going to kill the old people that was walking around was going to kill the women. They was going to kill the children. They was going to kill the sucklings. They was going to kill. That's God. We don't want to hear that side of God. We don't want to face that kind of God. And this is why God sent messenger after messenger that they mocked, that they made light of. This thing's been mocked since it come out of the upper room. But you go ahead and let them mock all they want to mock. It don't bother me one bit. They can say whatever they want to say. It's still real and it's still genuine and it's still life changing. And when you believe it and got an ear to hear it and respond to it, it'll change your life. And it's the only thing that can keep the spirit of rebellion out of us that we won't be deceived and wind up lost. Because without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can't be led into all truth and righteousness. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that's going to resurrect us out of them graves. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that'll comfort us in times like we're in today. Amen. To know that we got a God that will not forsake us nor leave us. Time won't allow me, but, but one of these scriptures. I wish I could remember which one was. But, but watch this. God, the scripture actually. Watch this. 2 Chronicles 32 and 31. Howbeit the business of the ambassadors of the princes. And this is Hezekiah. I know I'm going way back. But listen to this verse. What I'm fixing to say. The business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon. Who, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonders that was done in the land. If you read back the previous verses. You'll see how that Hezekiah after being healed. And the 15 years it added to his life. God blessed him. Everything he put his hand to. Man it just profited. He, just, he built cities. He built walls. He, brought, he piped in the water into Jerusalem. Which is several miles. Amen. Down through the hard rock stone. And I mean he just done. It was just unbelievable. The things he accomplished and achieved. In those few years that took place. But watch this. At the end of the journey. Watch what happens here with him. And here he talks about those ambassadors. That come from Babylon. Amen. They inquired about the wonders of done to the land. God left him. Now, we cling and we hold on 
we're in trials and we're in trouble. But God promised he'd never what? Leave us nor forsake us. But I'm going to tell you something. When the spirit of rebellion gets a hold of us, we can even reach a point and place in our own walk that God will leave us. He will forsake us and he'll leave us and out in the open and vulnerable to whatever spirits and powers. Read your Bible. He that repents and the unclean spirit leaves him. But if he's not filled up with something, that unclean spirit comes back and see it washing and cleansed and swept out. But it don't come in by itself. It goes and gathers up seven more spirits. That's more vile and wicked what it is. And enters back into the vessel. I told somebody this week. So the devil's looking for vessels to operate and, and, and display and manifest his, his, his ungodliness, his unrighteousness. Just like God's looking for vessels to be a witness through. Manifest and declare his powers of love and mercy and compassion. So we see here, why did he do that? Watch this. God left him to try him. That he might know. All that was in his heart. And you know the story. Hezekiah. You know what happened. When he showed him everything he had. That was the downfall. So. I got to hurry. People mocked God's messengers. Uh, you go back to the Lord God. And their fathers sent to them messengers. But they mocked the messengers of God. And despised his words. And misused his prophets. Uh, when you go and you begin to look at some of the writings of Jeremiah, uh, especially even uh, drops on down, and if you don't mind for just a minute here, people, amen, despise God's word to Ezekiel 17, 15, and 18. That's what I was talking about a while ago. If you go and read that, you're going to see where in, in Ezekiel's writings he talks about, and, and most of them believe that in that particular writing was unto Zedekiah. But he rejected the oath and the covenant that he had taken, and he rejected. He, he, he just, you know, he despised it, and, and so he didn't keep it any longer. Hey, we're watching people trample the word of God under their feet. Amen. They're, they're, they're rejecting it. They're despising it. They don't want you to preach. Amen. We're, we're living, what, in the Laodicean time? The Laodicean time is when the, the pew actually controls the pulpit. Amen. That's part of it. Hallelujah. But any time that the computer can control the pulpit, hallelujah, about whatever strings or methods that they set up to do it. And hey, that's, that's, that's among us. We can say what we want to, but that's among us. There's a many churches. The pastor don't decide where to go. Amen. They got boards and individuals and churches that decide where they're going to go. And they don't only decide that. They also decide, amen, what they're going to preach and, and all the other things. They, they got them, you know, like puppets on the string. Hallelujah. Through carnality and through flesh and, and through the powers of the devil. But I'm going to tell you what, if there's ever been a time that there needs to be a generation that needs to be called out and raised up, it's at this generation that needs some apostolic people says, you know what, I'm going to go back to the old ways. I'm going to go back to the old landmarks. I'm going to go back to some old pathways. I'm going to go back, amen, and search out the scriptures. And I'm going to seek out the anointing of God. Now watch this. Hallelujah. David was anointed before he ever could take on a Goliath. But when he was anointed, I'm telling you, it don't matter how big the Goliath is. It don't matter how much corona there is. It no matter how many how many devils, how many Democrats, how many whatever, I tell you the church is going to survive. The church is going to be victorious. The church is not going to allow, amen, rebellious, amen, to get hold of her heart, her mind, and her spirit. Hey, I preach it to us this morning. I tell you, we're going to work against rebellion. We're going to work against the spirit of rebellion. I don't want to have no part of it. 
We all better be that way. You know one thing that's really attacked our world today? Drugs. You know why? Because the devil found out through the operation of drugs, I can, I can, I can put my spirit of rebellion in them. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it with some, some of the best people you ever wouldn't have known. But when they got to fill them with drugs, the spirit of rebellion. And that's really become such a two and threefold battle for them. And that's the reason they've got to have God's mercy and grace. And that's the reason you and I have to intercede for them and cry out for them. But they're not going to find the help they need. Huh. I still have the best of my ability to try to still pray for the drug addicts and the alcoholics. And in our community, God, somehow we can persuade them that you can and will deliver them. And set them free. Praise God. So you could go to Ezekiel 17, 15, and 18. You see that happening. We can go the messengers that were sent and the things that happened uh, in Jeremiah, the 25th chapter. Man, I've got, I've tried to cut down on some scriptures, but uh, as you can tell, all these flags I actually got, these are scriptures I got flagged for today. Praise God. So we're going to try our best. But anyway, when you look, go to 25th chapter, amen, you're going to see in the word that God came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which Jeremiah, the prophet, spake unto all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, now, now, boy, that's, that's, that's a long time back now. 13 years, if my memory serves me right, I believe he served 31. And so Jeremiah is telling them from that time, from the time of Josiah, the prophets and God sent messengers trying to deal with this issue. That in the 320th year that the word of the Lord had come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. Uh, that whole chapter, actually, if you read that whole chapter, it, it talks about the cup. It talks about the cup of the wrath. But watch this. That chapter doesn't only deal. Jeremiah doesn't only just deal with Judah and Jerusalem. But it talks about, if you start in the 15th verse, it starts dealing with all the other nations likewise. You know, that's going to be brought into it. Remember the Isaiah? Remember Babylon? Babylon, the city that wasn't supposed to have been destroyed. Nobody could tear it down. But amen, when God was involved, God done prophesy. And judgment came unto them because of their persecution against the children. Mishandling of the children. I'm going to tell you something. Nobody gets by. Amen. Whenever they, they apply more punishment on someone than that what they ought to. Paul warned the Corinthians, even after this gentleman was having a, a relationship with someone and in a situation they shouldn't have. But he's in that second one, he said, show him mercy and grace and let them be reinstored. Am, am I preaching to us? Hey Amen. If there's ever been a generation, we need to have compassion. We need to have mercy. We got a generation that's full of wrath and anger and bitterness. And they're so messed up. Hallelujah. They're so messed up. Some of them don't know if they're a man or a woman. Some of them don't know a lot of things. And the only hope they got is a church that's full of compassion. It's full of mercy. Now, we can't do it. 
away with judgment. That don't mean that we're going to quit preaching the gospel. But God help us to preach it with mercy and preach it with compassion and preach it with love and preach it with faith and believe. And you know what? If you got a gear to cure this gospel, it can bring you out of the miry clay. It can bring you out of the darkness. It can save your life. Because if you don't, the sure judgment of God's coming. Nobody can stop it. Nobody can keep it from happening. It's going to come. And I'm telling you what. There's a lot in, in this. In this Fifth chapter of Jeremiah. This is, this is part of, of, of Jeremiah's the call that was given to him. He says, run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek. The broad places thereof. If ye can find a man. If there be any. That executed judgment. That seeketh the truth. And I will pardon it. You go on to read. It talks about how they handled the fatherless. And how they handled the widows. And how they handled the orphanage. And how they handled people. And handled the poor. And, and all these things. Judgment. Judgment. Huh. So we know as, as we watch these scriptures unfold here today and we, we watch the hand of the Lord and the hand of God just begin to really move and touch. And I don't know my time's going to run out. Uh, did God have mercy with Noah? Noah found grace. You know, there's going to be those that's going to mock. It's going to be those that's going to judge us. It's going to be... All that's going to happen, all that's going to take place. But God has constantly kept showing mercy and compassion. It's God's will, it's God's heartbeat that all would come to repentance and be saved. That is God's heartbeat. It's God's will. I'm going to try to finish up here. I'll just go to the main scripture part of it and just kind of finish it up. What began to take place and what really began to happen... After this rebellious, they, the Bible said they polluted the house. House of God that Josiah had set back up and put right altars and forms of worship. Amen. He began to tear it back down. And they, the Bible simply put it, they polluted. They polluted the place. The Lord which had hollowed Jerusalem. Now remembered. The key word hollowed there means to be set aside. It was for his purpose. That's the reason when you and I become a temple of the Holy Ghost, we don't belong to the world. You can't walk like the world. You can't live like the world. You can't talk like the world. You can't get involved in things of the world. One writer said, love not the world, neither the things of the world. We don't need to send a mixed message. But I see that struggle going on in the apostolic movement today. Of just how involved we can get without becoming polluted. Contaminated. The Old Testament taught us that all you got to do is brush up against things that come against you. But it doesn't work that way to be clean. It's almost, it's almost amazing how easy it is to become unclean and how it takes the effort and work and the constant battle to stay clean. Clean heart, clean mind, clean spirit. 
17th verse as we pick up there. He says, therefore, he brought up on them the king of the Chaldees. You know, even, even the prophet questioned God because how severe they had came down upon the Israelites. They came down on Jerusalem and the people there. You know, the, the prophet questions, you know, God, how? So vile and wicked. But he had warned and warned and warned. Could this be a warning? Now watch this. They knew that they was only going to go into Babylon for 70 years. But what about us? If we miss this. If we don't conquer the spirit of rebellion. If we don't keep it out of our lives. And we allow ourselves to become polluted. And we begin to mock the preacher. And we mock the word of God. And we use it like something second-handed. And misuse it. We just use it for our advantage. And our benefits. But never really fall in love with it. Never, never really submit ourselves to it. Never really humble ourselves. To what it's really telling us. Ours is not going to be 70 years. It's going to be an eternity that we're going to have to face. So now we really begin to realize why God used even some measurements in that Old Testament trying to warn, trying to warn, trying to flag down, trying to get us humanity to understand. A God that would be so patient and long-suffering the New Testament talks about the long-suffering of God that men may come to repent. I've heard people say it, and I've said it until you get to reading the Word of God, and you're more hesitant about making these statements. Hey, believe God, it struck them down. Because He's long-suffering. He's full of compassion. And He's, he's waiting on you. Come to repentance. The writer in Proverbs warned us about because when the judgment didn't come quickly, that we're, we're subject to think that we got by. All right. That's, that's not, that's not, it's not God's will to judge or, or to, to bring judgment. It's, it's the last things he wants to do. It's uh, parents that really love their children. They don't wake up every morning, snatch your kid out of the bed, and just take a beat and beat the bag out of them. Two or three times all through the day. Huh. Some of y'all saying, well, y'all might have rather. But all I can tell you, they're going to grow up. <laughs> and they're going to get a switch to, nah. You know what I'm talking about. Hebrew writer talks about the chastening. And said there's not a son. that He doesn't chasten. And he doesn't correct. Now you know the problem of our world today? Here's the problem of our world today. We want to live the lifestyles we want to live. Without you saying one thing about it. Don't you condemn us. Don't you judge us. I'm not. 
This is. And if we, if we don't keep the spirit of rebellion out, and we start getting hard toward the word and the men of God and the way God does things, judgment's coming. I'm going to tell you something. It's a lot easier to be rebellious than we want to admit. It's a lot easier to put your heels in the sand. We really want to admit. Especially when we're not calling the shots. Let me ask you something. Is any of us calling the shots? When you get down to it? Who's calling the shots? Who's, who's the sovereign one over all the kingdoms of men? I can tell you this much regardless of what all that bunch does. If it's God's will for Mr. Trump to go back in four more years, he's going in. He's going in. They can have all the mail-ins and they can do whatever they want to do. But if it's God, but if it's not, buddy, you, you think you've been praying now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, folks. We better wake up. We're here. We're here. And judgment's coming. God's not going to weaken America no more than he did any of them other places. The abortions. The things that, the, that we're all being shocked by by some of the, the swamp stuff that's going on up there. Some activities that's going on that has went on that's, that makes some of us sick to our stomach. Abusing people, trafficking people. Some at some high ups knew about it. Money, position. They don't care nothing about you. Don't you kid yourself. You're the only one that really loves us and cares about us. It's Jesus Christ. It's God Almighty. There's no greater love, Brother Ford doesn't mention it, than this, than a man to lay down his life. Some might do it for the righteous, my friend, but I'm going to tell you something. He done it for the most wicked, vile, ungodly, Human on the face of the earth. And if that individual is willing to repent. And turn from his wickedness. And be baptized in Jesus name. And filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going to the same heaven. As all of us. And you know what? We better not get a bad spirit about it. Well you don't know what he done to my. I should have quit, huh? I'm trying to help us to understand how the enemy would use circumstance and situation to start the access of rebellion and stiff-neckedness. He's looking for any opportunity of a bad, of the pitfalls of this world to just get the ball rolling. And if we don't deal with it, quite small, don't worry. It has the glue to it. It'll start picking up. Well, I want to say something here. If you pray, if you read your Bible, if you walk in the Holy Ghost, 
You can pick up things in the Holy Ghost. If you don't pray, if you don't read your Bible, if you get a bad spirit, you get a bad attitude, you get mad at God, get mad at the man of God, get mad at the church, guess what? You don't stop picking up stuff. It's just a different spirit. And you start noticing everything that's bad in the church. You start noticing, man, that preacher ain't worth a plug nickel, and he's probably not. <laughs> but, but, but the devil does the same thing. Those spirits, they magnify all of that. Feast off of that. Grow off of that. And all that's trying to do is to cause that spirit of rebellion to get a hold of you and get you. That's the reason it's so important to forgive. And I've heard people say, well, I can feel, but I can't forget. You probably didn't really forgive. Boy, I didn't go over too good, but it's still the truth. When I really forgive somebody of something, I'm going to do my best to get it out of my mind, get it out of my spirit, get it out of my heart. That every time I see them, that I ain't got to deal with that. Because see, what is really who is really going to start is me. Same way with rebellion. Same way with all this. And I'm, I'm, I'm through. You can stand. I know it. I'm, I'm about 10 minutes over. You can stand. I'm almost trying to finish up here. Notice what really began to happen. What began to happen? Amen. Whenever the Chaldeans came in there, what began to take place? And so after the Chaldeans was brought and they, they began to slew, watch this, their young, the young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, he slew them. Had no compassion upon the young man or the maidens, old men or him that stooped. For age, they had no compassion. Didn't make them any difference. They was out there on a walker just getting by, and they come by, I'm sorry. In the sanctuary, they came and shed the blood. This is what the spirit of rebellion will bring into our lives. He gave them all into their hands and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small. And the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of the precincts. All these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God. And they broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And they burnt all the palaces thereof with fire. And destroyed all the godly vessels thereof. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. Did you hear what took place? Why do you think we've got some apostolic churches now? Are not so apostolic no more. Because a spirit rebellion got in from the pulpit. The pew. Whoever. The spirit of rebellion could get in the right family in the local assembly. Especially. I had somebody tell me just the other day that place they go. Runs about 250, 300. But he said, you know, he said that church is pretty well made up of five families. And he was telling me that because they wouldn't have a service one night because two or three of the families had went on vacation for that particular night. And so there wasn't enough left to have church. And so with that being said, that's the reason the right family in a local assembly all right, a couple of families in the local assembly can get the spirit of rebellious and they can stop that church. They 
can stop God, yeah. Evil hearts of unbelief. Rebellion. It's a greater issue than a lot of people want to admit. It's a greater problem. A lot of people want to admit. But this is what kind of destruction in a brain. Could that be the reason that we're seeing some apostolic churches now that have allowed some walls to be torn down? In the doctrine. Allowed some, some lives and lifestyles that once was taught against and made a stand against, but now all of a sudden it's acceptable. Not only is it acceptable, we put them in leadership. And, well, we wouldn't expect all this, was we? And I know it's, we ain't been in church much, but, but I'm telling you, we're in a very dangerous time that even now we can very easily let the spirit of rebellion slip in. We can let actions of others. And hey, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. Don't, don't take me wrong. What I'm trying to get is to understand the enemy will use that to destroy you. and totally destroy you. And that's where you've got to say, you know what? As bad as this deal is, I'm not going to let it rob me of my inheritance. And I'm not going to let it rob me of my relationship with God. And I'm not going to let this spirit of rebellion get a hold of me. Amen. And get me to a place that I destroy not only myself, but everybody else. God, if you'll help me by your mercy and grace and compassion. Here we go. Right back to it. God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. Because with your mercy and grace, I can overcome anything. With your mercy and grace and help, God, I can rise up out of this storm. I can come out of this furnace, amen, without smelling like smoke. I can come out of this battle, amen, without being scarred and messed up for life. No, God, you correct me. I'd rather you correct me, amen, than to spend the rest of my life, amen, with a manged up hand. Hallelujah. That I had a mother that didn't want to nag me and didn't want to correct Correct me and just let me take that piece of iron and put it in that electrical panel. Amen. And now I'm going into surgery, possibly losing part of my hand, part of my life. Hey, thank God for the word of God that's like a sword. I'd rather him cut off that, amen, that's unholy and unrighteous. Hallelujah. Before it destroys me or lanes me forever. I just wonder how many people crippled in the spirit that could have been, amen, overcome and would not have experienced that if they'd have just dealt with the spirit of rebellion at its early ages. Early times. And now we wouldn't have to fool with that. What do we call the children? When we've instructed them and told them. and Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't get caught up with that group. Don't be driving like that. Put that seatbelt on. And they don't do it. I got a better term for you today, okay? We won't call it rebellious. We'll just say the strong will. How about that? Strong will. If we can just get that strong will in the right place and hit it in the right direction and keep it there. But I'm going to tell you something. We all got strong wills. Even Jesus had to have a Gethsemane before he could ever go to a cross. And we're not exempt. There's going to be some times in our lives we're going to have to have a Gethsemane. Or that spirit of rebellion. And hear me again. The spirit of rebellion because you to come hardened in the mind. 
And what once would move you, won't move you now. You got any Bible? I sure do. The first king that Israel ever had. Because of pride. Building his own military. And not obeying God, but saying he was. But he wasn't. Came hard in his own mind. And believed his lie. And it cost him the kingdom. Preaching to us this morning. Can cost us the kingdom. If we don't watch the spirit of rebellion. In the world that we're living in today. Let's pray. Let's talk to God for just a minute. Let's ask God to help us. We're living in some trying time. We, we want the hand and the, 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 the power of God to move upon us as a church. Individuals but as a church. Our community needs us. If there's ever been a time that we need to be Holy Ghost filled. Uh, I'm talking about the power of God. And I'm praying folks. I'm telling you now. I'm about to point next Sunday. We're going back to regular services. You know, swim, sink, <laughs> and just deal with it. Because we can't survive like this. We cannot survive like this. We're going to get the school and community, we we'll give them two weeks. And then we're on. Let, let me say this. I don't understand it. Somebody... Uh, well, I, I'll just tell you, Sister Judy called me, her mom and dad, man, they were sick. And, and I, it was still some of the time when I was sick, and, and she told me, she said, I know you're sick, you can't, blah, blah, blah. And, but about it, I was getting over it. <laughs> and so as I was on the phone with her, amen, and, and, and so when I said, no, I said, we're going to pray, we're going to ask God. And God did, he touched them, and they, they come through it, thank God for it. But I remember as I walked back out of the, my bedroom, back through the, the bathroom area there, and I just kind of looked in that kitchen, and I, in that mirror, and I said, no. I said, I'm back in the fight. I said, I'm back in the fight. And I, I felt the Holy Ghost when it moved on me. His thing's over with and I'm back in the fight. We're still in the fight, sweetheart. We ain't giving up. We're not backing up. We're not changing nothing. We believe this apostolic doctrine. We believe it'll change you. We believe it'll get you through. So we're not going to allow no spirit of rebellion or no other thing. Amen. To get all of our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. But we're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. We're going to stay in the fight. In the fight for Jesus Christ. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to you for your kindness, your patience, uh, working with us. I hadn't heard any grumbles, any gripes. I thank you for it. And uh, I pray the Lord richly blesses you for it. You know, he knows how to bless you far better than I do. Okay. So let's ask him to do it. We do love you this morning. Appreciate all, of you. Appreciate all of our guests and all that's here with us today. God bless you. Uh, but if everything goes to plan, we will be back next Sunday morning and we're going to our normal services. That'll give all the school kids, college, all those <laughs> two weeks. If it's going to show up, it's going to show up. So we're going to go from there. And you do what you feel best in your own conscience and heart of what to do. You're not going to get no gripes from your pastor. Amen. If you don't feel that you should come yet, that's, you know. All I ask, amen, if you're not going to come to church, don't be ripping running the roads. <laughs> don't be going to work. Let's just be fair about it. You know, if, if I'm going to go fishing, if I'm going to go hunting, if I'm going to go Walmart, if I'm going to go uh, to the beaches, if I'm going to go to the mountains, and if I'm going to go to whatever else, I'm coming to church. <laughs>
I'm going to come to church. In fact, I'm going to come to church when I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to the mountains and the beaches. I'd rather come to church. So that's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. I think that's just fair, don't you? I think that's fair. All right. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. It's good to see everybody. Ties, offerings, get the plates are out. We'll just kind of do it that way. Some done laid theirs up. Tupelo, Tupelo, let, let me have your team. If you're giving to Tupelo, please, if you may gave it last week, if you're going this week, please give, give us some kind of note. Let us know. We, we won't know. We want to make sure they get every penny that's supposed to go to them. Okay? There, there's no doubt they need it. And uh, we're actually done about a month behind giving it. So if you're giving to Tupelo Children Mansion, Please make note of that so we can make sure they get every penny. Okay? Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you.